episode of Behind the Pen. I am your host, Karina Gantus, CEO of Author Assist. And today, my guest is Richard Sparks. Welcome to the show, Richard. Hello, Katina. Thank Karina, excuse me. Thank you for having me. Karina. It's my pleasure. So the first question I ask my guests is, what do you use your pen for? Well, ooh, all sorts of things. Uh, there's always one in my pocket. There's always one at the side of the bed. I always keep a notebook wherever I go, because if you have a great idea in the middle of the night, you think, oh, that's good. I'll write it in the morning. And if you don't write it down, it's gone. It's and gone. It, says, it teases you and it says, oh, it's good, wasn't it? You should have written me down. Now, you, now you'll never get that back. So often I have to wake up and now we've got some portable phones and we can use a little flashlight. I don't have to wake my wife up, but sometimes I, in the old days, I have to turn the light on and write. And she's like, <laughs> but then you get a couple of pages done and you wake up in the morning and go, oh, I've done my day's work already. So then you can knock them into shape. I mean, right. writing is a lot of editing and rewriting all the time, isn't it? It is. It is. Get the first draft done, get it done and finished, and then you can work on it. Get the, the skeleton done. And yes. then you put the flesh in. <laughs> Indeed, yes. So um, what is your background when it comes to writing then? Uh, I started off writing when I was at uh, university. I just bumped into a, actually my first year's roommate. It's in my second year. He was going into the college and I was coming out. And I said, oh, what are you up to? And he said, I'm going to audition for a review. And I said, what's that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what's that? Said, well, you should come along because you write funny stuff. I used to leave him funny notes in the in, in the rooms that we shared. And um, actually, we used one of them as a sketch, which Mel Smith did at the Edinburgh Festival. Uh, oh, wow. You have to go back to that in a minute. Carry on with your story. <laughs> so I went to this interview and um, audition, and it was at another college, and they made me audition to be in it. I said, I don't want to be in it. But they said... Um, well, you, that's what we have to do. So I had to come into a, I had to go outside, come into a room, pick an apple off an invisible tree, eat it and discover there's a worm in it. And, oh, God, I thought, so I think, really? I don't know how to find an invisible. So I went inside, did a terrible, you know, and they said, oh, well, um, thank you for coming. But um, Peter says, you write, you write a lot of funny stuff. So I said, yeah, that's what I want to do is, is, is come and contribute to the scripts. So Mel was auditioned for it, and obviously he's brilliant, so he was in it. And that was, I think, the first day I actually met him. I'd seen him on stage was when the meeting was a couple of days later. And there were three or four other very funny actors, student actors, and me and this director, and everyone was being very amusing. I was sort of in the background, rather. And someone said, well, does anyone have any material? And nobody did. So I stuck my hand up and said, well, I've actually just written a history of drama from the point of view of comedy sketches mm -hmm. and I said oh really so I started reading it it was already it was already about 30 minutes long it started in Greek days and went through to modern stuff you had it on you at the time no I just wrote it in those three days and they um they all came back and said oh well great we've got a show other people contributed other sketches one as Anthony Carey as a wrote a brilliant backwards melodrama called Amadalem, mel melodrama backwards. We started with a pile of bodies on the stage and someone then stands up and says, you know, something like, Garn and never called me mother and pulls the dagger out of their stomach and and then all the bodies rise up and do the melodrama backwards. <laughs> it's a brilliant idea. So other people, were, you know, picked up the idea and ran with it. 
Um, and it sort of, it, it all held together. And Mel was you know, uh, uh, just such fun. He, he, he was a, a really dear friend. Um, and uh, I have many Mel Smith stories. <laughs> yeah. So you have Peter to thank for your start then. Yes, I well, do. Not only did he tell you about it, but he put a word in and mentioned you that you were a writer. Yeah, yes, exactly. It's all. It, it's other people are a great help in this business. You know, it's the the ones who believe you and help you are, are the ones who are going to make all the difference. Yeah. You, you know, you can't do it all alone. No, uh, not at all. Authors are, uh, uh, you know, especially when, you know, when I find a writer that I love. You know, I'm I'm on his side or her side. I'm yeah. I'm a fan. I just want where where's the next one? You know. So, so you start off with that. And you had that um, the comedy made into a uh, scene, a script, and, and played out by Mel. What came next after that? Because you, you, I mean, people now know your work. People in the business now know your work. They know your name. So, were you getting calls? Were you getting? Um, no, it took a while. I, you know, we did that summer. There was a, a review at Edinburgh Festival, and they asked me to be part of it, and so I had to be in it. Which oh, you fun. were. Yeah, I was Peter's kind of sidekick. Uh, he was a very funny person, and and I wrote some material with him and for him. That was the first of four I did in Edinburgh. Um, and then when I left college, I didn't, you know, I didn't have a job. I didn't know what to do. So I did a, did a term of teaching, private tutoring, and then... Uh, English. And then, uh, actually, it was... Yes, it was English. Um, helping a, a boy get his O-levels, as they were in those days. And then um, about six weeks as a minicab driver in London, <laughs> losing £10 a week. I was hopeless. I just wanted to sit at home and write. So eventually I, I, I got a job at, in Welsh television, HTV, which was independent, writing the things the announcers say between programmes and uh, making trailers. Uh, so really starting at the bottom, um, yeah. living in a hut behind a golf range in Cardiff. Um, and there was a producer there who uh, made friends with me and actually gave me some scripts to write for a half hour children's show they were doing. Wow. Antics. It was the first children's show they'd ever done in English. Um, and I got £30 a half hour for that and burned some credits. I was writing jokes for, a, you know, a haystack and a and a lump of coal that was... Anyway, that's not. So by the time I got up to London two years late, two or three years later, I actually had some credits and uh, another friend recommended an, uh, an agent and I called her up or wrote to her and sent her the material. She signed me up and she also turned out to be the agent of Terry Jones, Michael Palin, Graham Chapman of the Pythons. Oh, wow. Bernard McKenna, Gra uh, Gail Renard, who was head of the Writers Guild and my writing partner for a while, and Douglas Adams. Um, wow. so, uh, Big and names. she was a boutique agency. Yeah. Uh, some of them were quite small at the time. Douglas and Gail and I and Bernard and people like that were, you know, beginning mm. to get yeah. track. And this was before um, Hitchhiker. Uh, so we just sort of bump into each other every year at Jill's, uh, Jill Foster, her name was, her annual Christmas cocktail parties. Um, <laughs> and uh, sort of Love make it. together. But there's one day, I mean, one wow. hitchhiker story is, uh, I was, I, I was had a date with a young lady and uh, who I didn't, uh, I didn't really know yet, but I was interested in. And I went to the, the pub near her house and as I was getting drinks for us, um, there was Jeff McGiven at the bar, the actor from Cambridge. And I said, oh, Jeff, you know, hey, how are you? And he said, 
oh, Douglas has written me a written a new radio show, and I and I and I'm in it. I've got a part. And I said, oh, really? What's it called? And he said, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Wow. Oh, good title, I said. And I didn't want Jeff to come and join us, you know, the charming actor to come and... and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ruin your day. So I just went off the other way. But that was the first time I ever heard of it. And um, uh, so look, look we all supported yeah. each other. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So... Okay, so you, you're getting these little things. I mean, they're definitely breaks and people are, like I said, are getting your name. But when did the big thing come? When did the, when did that come knocking? When did your agent find it for you? I think the big thing's coming out on December the 12th this year, you know, several Oh, yeah, yeah, we're going <laughs> yeah, to get you know, that. I did, I did plays. I got asked to adapt a Goldoni comedy, you know, the Commedia dell'arte for the Welsh National Theatre, it was called in those days, that toured, and then another one at Greenwich Theatre and uh, and radio and TV, TV, like not the nine o'clock news and stuff. I was one of the staff writers on that. Um, so would you say all of those are all the, the little things that's built up to what we're going to talk about now? Yes, and, and all my life I've wanted to be a writer of fiction, but I always wrote the sort of books that I didn't want to read and read the sort of books I didn't want to write. It was a... I, I, I never kind of found my bliss. And I'm really glad that my younger efforts didn't get published because they're not up to the standard of the of the work that's coming out now, which really is um, something that I'm, I just enjoy. I mean, I love writing it. I love reading it. When I go back into some of the earlier books, as I said, I've got four done to research, you know, where I've set up things that are going to pay off later. I always find myself reading tripping on beyond that part, you know, 20 pages. Going, oh, wait a minute, I've got to stop reading this. Because you really enjoy reading it. your own work, yeah. It, it is a, a remarkable um, feeling to have got to that point where this is what I should be doing. This is me. And it, there was a friend of mine over a couple of nights ago who's one of my four test readers. He's a Emmy-winning producer here in, in Los Angeles, where I live now. And he said, you know, he said, no, nobody else could have written these. But anyone else could have written the other ones that are in my, so to speak, bottom drawer that that uh, were, you know, okay, maybe in parts, but just not good enough. It's and your voice, it's your book, there, it's, it's your story. It's, yeah. You know, somebody once said to me years ago, um, live while you're young, so you're young, live while you're young, so you've got something to write about when you're old. Uh, <laughs> I, always thought, I always thought maybe towards the end of towards the end of my career, as it were, um, things would come to fruition. And, and and these books have fruished. I've got to say it's... Um, okay, it's, before it's, we it's, talk it's, about it's, them, because I'm so excited and I'm so into everything that you've written and everything. Ooh. Why that? Why that genre? Why did that suddenly... Where did that idea suddenly come from? How did it attach to you? Had it been brewing up and, and voices and scenes playing in your head for a while before you finally got it down? Nope, absolutely the opposite. I uh, became a hardcore role-playing gamer online, multi, ma massively multi-online role-playing game. Sometimes PvP when I'm in a group of 24 people with headphones on and we're all charging around some unknown world making mischief <laughs> against you know other real people who beat the crap out of you if they can and you try and <laughs> you try and take their fort or whatever you mean and um those are great fun and i enjoyed that a lot um and i remember just thinking what would it really be like to be in a world like this these these wonderful worlds that the 
these de game developers are so brilliant and they create these fantastic environments for us. Yeah. You know, whether it's out of space or sword and sorcery, which was my preferred genre. Yeah. What would it actually be like to be in one of those? And the only answer was, well, I got to write it and see. And so the idea fell out of the sky one day, hit me on the head is, okay, right. So three people win the world championship of sword and sorcery. I, I don't mention any particular game. You can imagine it, whatever game you like, you know. Yeah. And the, and the next, you know, the moment they become world champions, the next thing they know, they're, um, well, the guy's standing in the field in the middle of nowhere with a crappy sword and a shield going, well, where the F am I? And he hears wolves chasing him. So he's got to survive. The first thing you would have to do in a new world is survive food, fire, and shelter. And then things get worse. Instead of being an apex level championship winning battle mage, he's, standing there with absolutely terrible equipment being chased by wolves and then he's captured i don't want to give too much away and the first thing he does is lose everything and gets worse um and of course in a game the first thing you learn is to train so within the first hundred pages or so there's a point where he he's you know he's conscripted into an army he doesn't know where the other guys are the other two one's a girl and one's a one's an asian american dual wielding you know sword dancer girl and uh, the other's an australian orc oh my gosh <laughs> so, oh, it's a lot of fun doing the australian accent for him you know, so, um, he doesn't know where they are he, he meets the orc again soon and they are conscripted into an army and trained by this fearsome sergeant at arms jack blunt who's known to one and all as sergeant bastard and by the time they get good and go off to war, you know, they're, they're able to look after themselves. So then about 200 pages in, the main quest unfolds, you know, and it, it uh, goes from there. They have, they don't, you know, they've still got to survive, find out why they're there, what happened to them, how on earth did they get there? I had an idea, uh, maybe it's the author in me, but when we, we spoke uh, for the radio show, for those that... Um, uh, don't know we've we've uh, had an interview before so i'm i know about the book and i i kept on thinking about it who would have put them there yeah exactly. I, I, my idea i mean you know i have Go to say it. of course my idea is another gamer had is I, I, the only person i could think of that would have the knowledge to do it um the ability to do it and the reason to do it is another gamer that's how I think at the moment, but I have to well, read the first book anyway. <laughs> good for you for thinking that. Well, all I can say to you is that it's all explained. It's all it. They. It's all. You know. It's it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's put in front of you, yeah. and then it's set up for the subsequent adventures. So they're yeah. there. It's real. You know, they're not in some kind of a game like Tron or something. They're actually there yeah. in a new world, and they have to survive. No way of getting home. A planet is a rock, right? Third rock from the sun. Mm. And they've got their role as their own avatars. So, I love the idea of that, actually waking up as your own avatar. I mean, the one I am now, I'm a chainling. Um, okay. uh, very pale, ugly face and long white hair and pointy fingernails. And I just imagine, you know, if I was yeah. in that situation, waking up as that avatar and thinking, oh, my God, you know, what do I do now? How do I get out of here? 
How do I get myself back home? How do I survive? How do I, well, how do I survive? Yeah. But then you don't really know, do you, that you've got enemies yet? No, you don't. But you, you you know, in a game, you just die and you resurrect somewhere safe. Here, there's no resurrection. You've got to get through it. It's dead is dead. It's not the game. You know, to some, it comes out of that world. But, um, but it's, no, they, they, it's real. And they're stuck there. And the nice thing about it is, for me, I made the central character a kind of amalgam of my father and myself, because my father was a school teacher in England. So I made him a retired schoolmaster, living in alone in his bungalow on the edge of a little town, like where I was brought up. Um, and he's a widow, a widower, and no kids. And he's become a hardcore gamer. And he spends all his time online with his mates, his Australian orc friend, and his Asian American sword dancer, and the three of them are just the best. And that's so they're, then they're when quite he mature. Brother, then they're not young. They're not young people that are in. Well, I don't. But there's just the one, the the, lead, the narrator, the the meet the eye voice. And then when he looks in the, you know, he sees he takes off his helmet and sees his twisted face in it reflected, and it's it's his avatar. And he realizes I'm young again. Ah, <laughs> yeah. his avatar's so, younger than him. Yeah, so instead of being a retired school, he is a heroic young battle mage with no powers, can't do anything. There's no magic as far as he knows in that world. And um, he's just stuck there. But he's he's this guy he created. So, And the Australian guy guy is really an orc. And the, um, and the Asian-American girl is really a sword dancer. And they're, they're the best between them, or they were. And then... And now they're just about as bad as you could hope to be. But we, we, we don't find the other two for a while. Because, you know, when you're playing a game, it's all about the dice. But when you're there and you don't have those powers and you don't have the gifts and you don't know, you don't have the strength and you don't know how to fight. Like you say, you're learning from the beginning. Well, in games, there are only two quests. What is go and kill something or go and fetch something? This is what I realized after all. And they call it kill or FedEx in games. But in the books, because I'm writing in the genre of fiction, I'm not stuck by what other people have created in the games and the scripts that they've written for us to stumble through. I'm writing a what the F is the quest quest. So the hero is thinking, I think, what am I doing here? What where are the clues? So he's looking for that. He he knows he's in a game then. No, he's not in a game. He's really stuck in this new place, wondering how the hell to survive and how, how to get good and how to move forward. And, and then the clues, things pick up. And he's because he thinks in a way that gamers think, he figures out these complicated puzzles. And one of the pleasures of writing these books is to come up with these really baffling puzzles that, that you know, like a good a whodunit. What is going on? And then clues arrive and you go, yeah, well, that, well, that's what it says, but what on earth does it mean? I mean, okay, uh, right. And But the answer's right there in front of you, which, of course, is understood backwards when you finish the book or seen the puzzle or found the next bit of the clue, you move on. But that's really nice to, to uh, lead the reader on with, oh, wow, what's that's a clue, but I can't figure it out. There's... And then something happens, you go, oh, oh, actually, yes, that, yeah, that might be the next step. And then, so there's, in one book, they got like 16 line, v- mysterious verse 
that appears. And it sort of seems to say something, but what? They have to what work it out. And then no, when I you just... anyway, a lot of wordplay in there, by the way. Yeah, oh, I love that. That you've got to have a smart mind for that. You've got to, yeah, I love that. Now, what well, I was just putting myself in his shoes. If I woke up and I was in the middle of nowhere, didn't know where I was, but then I noticed that I'm my avatar. Straight away, I would think that I'm in a game. That right. I'm the character. Well, of course he would. And then, and then things happen that you quite clearly aren't. Even Love if you it. Let, again, let's you talk about the actual world that you've built, um, Richard. I mean, what's the... You've got politics, most definitely. You've got the good and bad. Yeah, there's all that. I mean, it's a sort of quasi-medieval fantasy, sword and sorcery world. Very, very much wilderness, a lot of it. Small towns, castles, um, lords and lordlings, and a, a realm that's in total disarray in oh. the first. And uh, and uh, a reason they come, they actually come across a a character who um, her quest becomes their quest. Um, oh wow! And, and so they desert the army and run off with her without you know knowing quite what they're doing. But one thing leads to another, and the path gradually opens up. Uh, on that particular quest, and at the end of the book, as I said, the uh, the reason for it all is 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 made clear. It's also made quite clear that that's where they're stuck from now on. Um, no going home. And then the next book, no, there's no going back. And then the next book is um, they go off to another uh, another country, another part of the map, as we would say in in gaming, another land. So yeah. The first place one place, the second takes place. Well, goes from that to another, and then back again. The to another one, quest, but to they another. don't know what their quest is. Right. So there's one central land, and then they go off from that in various directions. And one of the fun things about writing the sequel is, um, the first book is told from first person point of view, from my point of view, or mm -hmm. the point of view of the narrator in first person. But obviously, once you've got a team together. You've got you can't peoples, just have them going yeah. around in a clump. You can't just have four people and a small dog that they've got. <laughs> You'll have to find out why. Anyway, you can't have them just going around together all the time. You have to separate them in film writing. We would call it A story and B story. Mm -hmm. What's happening over here? What's the subplot? Yeah. So once they get to this new land in the second book, they go off in four different directions. Wow. So while the narrator himself is still speaking in first person, the other three characters who have got three different quests that are part of the main quest as it were they've got to go and do three different things they're all told from third person point of view yeah so instead of being i did this i did that it's, it's she did this she did yeah. that she did this he did that and that was really good fun it's it's you you had to set it up quite early because in the first book there were a couple of instances where i went into third person and my editor said no you can't do that it's too late you've got to have it done so i yeah yeah, um, I, I write in deep pov myself. I used yeah. to do. I used to do first. I've done third. I've done. I've done most books in in different ways. But my editor then said, "No, I want you to rewrite that in deep pov." And I'm like, "What's deep pov?" So it was a whole new learning curve for me to get really into that mindset of the character. Once the once the audience gets it that you're writing, oh. It's it's the it's the narrator with him. Oh, it's with her. She's from the outside. That, that's fine. It works fine. Yeah. Um, and then I've got all these different uh, elements which, which um, elide time, so you can cut from one story to the next to the next, and it really 
uh, makes makes things speeds things up. What's the rules in your land? Every land has rules. What's yours? Uh, it does. Well, the first rule is, is in the same in any book is don't cheat on the audience. So you've got to make sure that the the rules you set up. You don't say at the end, uh, oh, a wizard dropped out of a spaceship and did it. <laughs> you, know, you, you have to make sure that it's logical and you've got to make it um, uh, difficult on the on the heroes. It's got to be the, conflict. The, the rules have got, I mean, the opposition have to be over, has to be overwhelming. Yeah. The, the bad guys have to be much stronger than the good guys. Uh, yeah. The odds have got to be uh, impossibly against them. And they've got to struggle their way through and figure it out because the people in the world will say, for example, this doesn't happen. It's impossible to go and do that because, it, and they've got to figure out a way to make the impossible possible. For example, so the rules are always um, lead your audience up the garden path. Don't cheat on them and surprise them. They of say, course. "Oh, you see, now that's yeah, I get it." Because audiences yeah. love it. If yeah. you say over there, that's where they're going. We're going here, and at the end, you say, and they go. Oh, you got me. Yes, of course. Now that makes sense. What did I? <laughs> yeah, um, no, yeah, like twists. Yeah, they like yeah. that. But um, magic. Let's talk about magic. You said that it's yeah. set in sword and fantasy. What kind of magic have you got going on in your book? Well, for the first for the first half, there's absolutely none. And the guy doesn't even know if there is magic in this world. He's got to find someone who maybe might possibly open that up to him and then you know you learn step by step by step but of course just as the orc who is a you know he's a, what we call a tank in gaming he's a big monstrous huge warrior with a battle axe he starts off being completely useless but he's got <laughs> it in his head so once he starts learning it all comes back to him and by the time they finish training for sergeant bastard's army he's he's no one can get near him he's just the best thing he, that anyone's ever seen with a battle axe. Same with the girl. She went, she, of course she turns up. You know, by, by the time that they meet her again, she's trained separately somewhere else. She's learned and her skills have come back to her. You know, she trained in various other things she was useless at because she was never any good at them before. And the um, the battle mage, our hero's magic powers come back to him slowly. You know, it takes a while. They're not, it doesn't happen like that. That would be uh, far too convenient. In but fact, the actual... Maybe. world itself i mean when they when they meet wizards when they meet the baddies the the the, the you know the, they're the good and the you've got the evil side is there magic then in the first book oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. there has to be because you know without it they'd be they would be under underpowered and they're a team yeah yeah, yeah. i love that absolutely love that so yeah, good. um your beta readers, your arc readers, um, what's the feedback you've had so far for the first book? Well, um, there, are, there are actually quotes from them on my website, on richardsparks.com, which is very nice. They've all been very positive, uh, very encouraging. One of them, uh, two of them are producers here in Hollywood, uh, Los Angeles, rather, and uh, one of them said, oh, I read the whole thing in two days. Wow. Um, she, she just loves to sit down and wallow. And that was a book that took over a year, about a year and a quarter, the third book. Mm. Immensely complicated uh, puzzle that becomes very clear at the end, of course. Yeah. And, um, she just said she blasted blew through it. And that, to me, is the highest compliment. To write, to write something that makes you want to keep a page turner is, yeah. is not an insult. That is a compliment. 
Um, yeah, I mean, if I put a book down more than twice, I probably wouldn't pick it up again. I need a book where I'm going to sit up till four or five in the morning reading it. Yeah, that yeah. to That's me great. is a good yeah. book, a good read. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I listen to a lot of audio books. I go for a walk every day and, uh, you know, sometimes I come home and I'm sort of standing outside before coming in listening. It's like, no, keep going. <laughs> you know, turn it off and find a good spot. So, so I suppose that'd be the um, next thing. I mean, yeah, you, you're writing, you've got the sequels ready, but you're going to definitely do audio book with the... I've done, I've done audio book of the first book. Um, Already? Yeah, we need to go into studio again and clean it up because I haven't had the proofs back yet. Once I get the proofs, I'll be able to go in and m marry them with what I've done in the audio book. And, Are and also, you doing the narration, Richard? I am. and I'm, I thought is, you would be. Well done. <laughs> the reason for this is because uh, Steve Reich, the producer, um, said, I was talking about who should we get to do the audio book. And he said, well, when I read these books, I hear your voice. Yeah. It's You should do it. You're so, the author. No one else could do it better than you. You well, know. And I thought, well, you have authors' readings, so let's give it a go. You know, if it's no good, we can always get a brilliant actor to do it for a later version to improve on what I've done. But you know, you go to authors' readings, and authors read. And you know, I did a, a reading at a, a convention last month. No, earlier this month. And you know, the whole room was laughing. Bit <laughs> 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 and did the voices. You know. The, yeah. And, uh, and, and just basically um, just went for it, you know. Have you've, a laugh. Got, you've got a great voice, a great tone anyway. I, I Like I said, I wouldn't think anybody could do the book better than yourself, especially when you wrote it. It's your story. You know what's going to happen. You know the emotions. You know how much to put into it and when it needs to have that power when you need to be a bit more step back. And, yeah, I, I think it's yeah, perfect you, when yeah, an author do. can narrate the their is, own book. You're, you're correct, but... The thing is, that, and I'm, I'm perfectly confident in my writing ability. So, that, you know, if I'm sitting in a room with people in a script writing conference, you know, I know when to contribute, what to say, and when to listen, when to shut up, and how to have ideas and all that. But with not being a professional actor, um, I find myself uh, needing reassurance rather pathetically. So, so this, not pathetic have, at all. I've got a great, no. I've got a great um, producer, editor, um, sorry, director, Fred Sanders, who did... The Game of Thrones book, the last one, uh, Dances with Dragons, with um, Roy Detrice doing that. And he's an actor himself and a very good voice over reader. And so I keep saying to Fred, look, you, you know, I know it sounds pathetic, but you have to keep telling me I'm doing all right. Because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of an amateur. He said, you're the writer. Just go for it. Just just relax. You're fine. Exactly. So if you've got the OK from him and your producer and the other people that you're working with with the audiobook you've got nothing to worry about Richard well you just say don't you don't have to be perfect you know I'm not Laurence Olivier so he'd <laughs> have higher say it's just me and going for it and you know I used to read to my daughter in bed until she was uh until she kicked me out of the room and said oh, I'm, I've already <laughs> got four chapters further than that <laughs> so we started doing that with Philip Pullman's books and the uh he was at the same college at at Oxford University as I was but he left the year before I went up oh, so wow. I never met him but um he's he's uh, anyway, lots of friends in common and he once said something uh and he's right he said I may not I don't know how to make you laugh but I do know how to make you turn the page that's because he does because the books are real page turners now I know oh, how to are. make yeah I've read, I know how I've to read make you laugh movies. as well so yeah 
<laughs> That's we'll, amazing. We'll so, Richard, we'll where can people find the first book? When is it released? Where can they find them? And if you tell them your website as well. Uh, the website is richardsparks.com, S-B-A-R-K-S, no e, e in that. Um, the books are published by Kasich, the science fiction and fantasy imprint, a very, very good house here in America. Um, it's published on December the 12th, 2023. Um, I'll actually be in London at the time, so there'll be a launch party in London, which will be fun. Yay! Uh, so there, and that'll be nice, because there won't be any books to sign or anyone say, please buy a book, you know, just, just come and have a drink and a good time. Um, <laughs> So it's available on pre-order already at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. I think the publisher's website, Kazik, C-A-E-Z-I-K.com. Um, all, all the places you'd normally uh, buy your books. And pre-orders really help for the first week sales, if you if you know that. If you get a lot of pre-orders, that helps with the... It does, because when it comes out, then you just go to the top of the charts, and that's what right. you need. And it, and it, also, if you go to richardsparks.com, you can order a free chapter or a free audio chapter just sign up with your web with your email and you'll be we you know obviously won't sell your emails but <laughs> i will be sense. over there straight after this i will be over there and signing up <laughs> great well uh, they they're not they will be sent to you into your inbox within a month of publication but um I, you know we still as i said we've got to clean up the edits the, to go with the proofs and um, make sure that the audiobook is perfectly synced with the um with the proofs as well and also the chapter that i'm going to give the pre-audio chapter is a chapter that's a few into the book it's not it's not at the beginning it's to give you a flavor of what it's like rather than just the setup and beginning are you um booked upon a book tour are you doing any sign-ins when the launch when you launch i've the got book? um I've, I've been booked to various conventions next year starting in february Wonderful. Um, so going to those. Any the big one is in, in Glasgow, Scotland next summer, which is Worldcom, and so I'll be going to that. Um, and I, I, whatever the publishers want me to do, I'll just go anywhere, do anything, um, as long as I got some time every evening to to do some writing. Uh, yeah. Because you know, I, I feel weird if I don't write every day. Um, yeah, it's because you're like, a born oh. writer. It's something you have to do. You breathe it's writing. It's, it's yeah. Just, I, just, I just need to do it, and and. Sometimes you're sitting there thinking, I've got to do some writing and I can't think what I'm writing and I, I've got to this point and all that. So it's not always easy. No. By any means. I mean, no. there's a character in the moon becomes a, an important character in book three. And like every month I go out, st stand outside, it's another full moon and I still haven't figured it out. <laughs> Help, you know what? I don't know. So it's, it's, if it was easy, I suppose it would have already been written. But um, every book has to be discovered word by word even though yeah. if you know where you're going in the end you don't know how you're going to get there yeah. and you don't know what somebody's going to say and yeah. when somebody says something and that person is then a character in in the next four books it just turned up out of nowhere and you go oh and they, <laughs> so right. you've got to keep keep your ears open and eyes open yeah characters then, like to get crashed and we have to be ready for them <laughs> that's brilliant yeah, that's the very good way of putting it yes here i am you need me okay exactly <laughs> Exactly. Well, Richard, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you again and getting into more about the actual book because I'm so excited to read this book and I can't oh, that's wait. Lovely. I hope you enjoy it and please um, let me know what you think of it. I certainly it. will. <laughs> just pretend. You know. <laughs> I wish you all the best. Huge success with it. Thank you for coming on as a guest on Behind the Pen. 
Thank you for having me, Karina.